Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way, you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. In addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy that Titus had because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. For if I had made any boast about him, uh, to him about you, I've not been disappointed. But as I have spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be the truth. And his affection towards you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. Paul is further rejoicing in the godly sorrow that took place in the hearts of the Corinthians because it led to an affirmation of their trust in his apostolic authority. It led to repentance, and that repentance brought about joy in Paul's heart. The relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church was frayed, and the way that it came back together again was through the Corinthians experiencing godly grief, godly sorrow. He says in verse 11, for consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. And then he catalogs in rapid fire fashion some of the fruits of the godly sorrow. Okay, I'm, I'm distinguishing godly sorrow from any kind of other sorrow because godly sorrow is known by its fruits, known by its results, known by what it produces. And what it produced in the church of Corinth was a desire to clear themselves, meaning they want to repent now. Uh, uh, they have indignation against sin. They have fear, fear for the Lord. That same fear has been a motif in the previous chapter that because we, have, we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. Because of their fear of the Lord, they reconcile. They have a deep longing. If they were lost in sin, they'd be apathetic when it comes to reconciling with Paul. But they have this deep longing to repent, this deep longing to be made right with God and, and right with Paul, to reconcile with Paul. They have zeal. There's passion here. When you have passionate people and there's a falling out, sometimes there's fireworks. But that zeal is also a good thing. It's also a strength. Okay, I, I, I minister to our students here at the Redemption Church. And I've spoken with parents and a couple of parents independently from each other have had the same kind of, uh, it, you know, it conflicts with their teenagers where their teenagers are very strong willed. They're very zealous. And I, I tell them, look, that, that zeal, that strong will, it's actually a superpower. And if they have, if they give you a hard time, if they're stubborn with you when it comes to these kind of things, that means that they're going to be stubborn when they go away to college and somebody tries to pressure them to, to live against the Christian worldview. I know that it's a pain in the tail sometimes, but that zeal is actually a good thing because they're zealous about these things. They're going to be zealous about the gospel. And so it's actually, a, it's not, it's not a, a shortcoming to be rectified. It's a superpower to be honed. They have zeal in the church of Corinth. What justice, okay, this is a good thing. It's a good thing to desire justice. This is what Paul catalogs as the fruit of the godly sorrow that came from Paul's confrontation with them. And so he's not backing down from the sin that he called out in them, but he's rejoicing about the repentance that 
came through their godly sorrow. You'll see that he also brings up Titus. I can't wait for us to get to, to Titus's book, Titus's letter. In addition to our own comfort, we also rejoiced even more over the joy that Titus had because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. Again, Titus is the instrument that brings comfort to Paul and company while they're in Macedonia, going through even more conflict. It's, it's amazing how like compounded conflict can, uh, can just stack up the more you do for God. But, but Titus was a vessel of comfort because he brought a good report. It's not fun to go through discipline from God. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time. See Hebrews chapter 13, like none of that's fun in the moment. It's not fun to be confronted over your sin. It's not fun to have to take measures to secure repentance. But wow, the fruit that that godly sorrow bears is incredible. And the relationship ought to be stronger among Christians once there's been reconciliation. So repent from sin, reconcile with one another, be the vessel of comfort, play the part of Titus, and be humbled when you're like the church of Corinth, you're the one who's sinning. And be gracious when you're in the part of Paul. Be gracious and humble when you're the one who's called out sin in someone else making sure you've taken the plank out of your own eyes. You can see the speck in your brother's eye and be gracious like Paul is and just rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Like let's tell him, look, look, uh, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm genuinely overjoyed at the fact that like God has done this in your heart. Like I'm, I'm grateful to God for that. That's that. Uh, I think we have like three different models here. We have a great model for repentance when you're the one called out like the church of Corinth. We have a great model for the comforter in Titus and we have a great model for the confronter in Paul. And all three of them, we see joy and we see reconciliation and we see the God of all comfort at work. Again, this is an elemental part of the Christian experience. If you don't have any context through which people can call you out for sin, you're not inviting accountability, you're not plugged into some sort of group, Rectify that today, because you're missing out on all three of the experiences we see represented in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You never get to play the part of the one who calls someone else to repentance. You never get to be the, the messenger who brings this good word to other people. You never get to be the one who's called out for your own sin, and you don't get to experience this kind of comfort that overflows when there's godly sorrow and godly repentance.